Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to the afternoon here on Ausbiz. We kick off the PM as usual with the call live from our Barangaroo studios. Ten stocks picked by you. I'll put them to uh, two experts and uh, what a panel we have today. One of my favourites, Adam Dawes from Shore and Partners and Michael Wayne from Medallion Financial. How are you guys? Very good. You're good? Very good, yeah, absolutely. Very good. Uh, how are uh, your clients with the interest rate increase? I think everyone's okay. We were expecting a 25 basis point increase. So I think, you know, it did sort of shock us that they sort of went a little bit harder. Market obviously didn't like it. No. Uh, and uh, we're sort of having a bit of a recovery trade today. Um, but I think everyone's okay. I think the volatility is definitely unnerving people. Yeah. And certainly the banks today are getting hit quite hard. So yeah. uh, CBA under $100. So uh, potentially there's some activity there. But yeah. I think everyone's okay. I mean, we've been sort of talking to people and clients now for a while saying, look, this is going to happen. This is how the markets yeah. are going to react. And so, you know, when they call up, it's like, well, remember that phone call that we had sort of three months ago? Yeah. Now it's starting to happen. So, yeah, I think they're okay. There's always, always some nervous people out there, though. Because yeah, the thing is, Michael, interest rates are going up because the economy is so good. I know Jim Chalmers, the new treasurer, is talking the economy down, which every new... Ju- New government does, Correct. like a new chief executive, oh, it's in terrible shape. Yeah. And when it goes better than everyone thinks, you you take the uh, the plaudits for it. But those national accounts figures were fantastic. Retail mm. spending's been going gangbusters. Yep. That, that's right. And obviously the mining industry's yeah. doing well as well. Um, but that's just the, the issue that people have. They were so used to and now anchored to the idea of low rates. And the, f- the fact is rates were not reflective of the broader economy. Yeah. Um, they weren't reflective of the strength of the economy. They weren't reflective of inflation. So all we're seeing is a bit of normalisation in interest mm. rates. They're still very, very low by yeah. historical standards. Um, there's no doubt they're going to continue to go higher. Um, but people just have to slowly recalibrate their expectations for interest rates given how strong the economy is and how to, fast prices are rising to get back to normal that's right you know we we didn't blink an eye three years ago when they were at these levels well, you have it like in germany still the treasury's over there 10 years i think still negative and they've got inflation like seven eight percent doesn't make sense yeah. really given the, the macroeconomic mm. factors that are at play so i think it's probably a good thing that the rba gets rates up higher and not so yeah. quickly but gradually quicker yeah. because that's probably what the economy needs. Yeah, yeah, to save a bigger increase later on. That's right. Everyone's panicking about property prices. As I was talking to the other day, who said if Sydney property prices come back 10 to 15%, they will be back to the level of February last year. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you so, know. <laughs> okay then. Who cares? <laughs> uh, it is funny, isn't yeah, it? Absolutely. Um, so, uh, but markets are all about expectations yes. and not being spooked and that's what we're seeing at the moment uh let's get into the stocks uh first five stocks in this half hour macquarie telecom mma offshore metcash playside studios that was 
on Gary Glover's list of stocks that could change your life. Um, last year, remember when we did that series? So we'll revisit that today and Blackstone Minerals. Stock of the day, I thought we'd take a look at Atlas. Shares hitting a 27-month high. We're talking about everyone panicking in the markets at the moment after IFM Global has acquired a 15% stake in Atlas Arteria. This is the big infrastructure, sort of road toll uh, business. Um, valued at around a billion dollars, IFM indicating it wants some nitty gritty information about Atlas to assess whether it can submit a non-binding indicative proposal to buy the rest of the company out. Remember, Sydney Airport got bought out by super funds not long ago. They seem to be on the hunt for reliable and boring, and Atlas Arterial is, is that. The list is getting very skinny yeah. in our market for good infrastructure businesses. Yeah. The last one, and correct me if I'm wrong, was APA. Yes. Then you got Clean Away, which yeah. is the bingo's already gone, so you got Clean Away. You don't have much else. We've already yeah. gone through all of our electricity infrastructure grid businesses. Yep. Um, so the list is definitely getting very, very skinny. I think this one, I like this way, the way that they're doing this is that they've taken a stake in the business instead of the Brambles and what was the other company that yeah. the other day where they basically lobbed a bit in there, all of a sudden the stock rallied, everybody got out that they needed to get out and then the next day they turned around and said, sorry, uh, that wasn't correct and we're not going to go ahead well, with private that. private equity blokes in Brambles said, oh, we didn't expect right. you to tell the market. Right. Well, and there was Appen as well, wasn't there? Appen. Yes, yeah. that was the other one, Appen. We've yeah, got continuous absolutely. disclosure. Right. So, so these yeah, guys no. have got a 15% stake. They're putting their money where their mouth is. And that's yep. probably why the share price is staying elevated is because they've bought the stake. Yep. It's in there. They've crossed it up. It's done. And now they're looking for some nitty gritty or looking for some more details. So Atlas Altieri is a fantastic business. Got road tolls in America, France uh, and does quite well. Transurban uh, catching a little bit of a bid on the back of this one as well. Right. Um, I don't know if Transurban would be taken out, but uh, there's need some deep pockets there That's as well. That's a lot bigger, isn't a it? A lot bigger. Um, so, but yeah, it's fantastic for our inf infrastructure because obviously it's class tier A assets that these guys yep. want. Um, I don't know what else is there more to say about it. Well, I mean, okay, uh, let me ask. Um, if you're a, already a shareholder, do you hold or do you get out at this level in case it doesn't go through? And would you put new money into it? So if you're using the Henry Jennings model, model Henry Jennings has always said, take a little bit out now because right. the market's really high. And usually it takes three to six months for these bids, these things to go through. And the market right. gets a little bit bored and it starts yeah, to sell off. A short attention and then you can potentially yeah. buy some in a little bit to sort okay, of so hedge take bets. Profit. The other option is, is there going to be another bidder that's going to come in onto this one? And then generally you'd wait to the 11th hour before you decide what to do. So I'm going to go with the Henry Jennings model on this one. Right. And that is to take a little bit here. I'm only feeling, I'm feeling quite comfortable because of that stake. And then they're going to potentially look, so mm. it might be further down Fair the track, enough. but I take a little bit here. Michael? Yeah, so Atlas is actually one we bought probably a couple of weeks ago. One of the few things that's actually done. Oh, recently. you smarty. <laughs> no, there was a good note. I don't give credit where credit's due. I think it was Credit Suisse. Or maybe, right. I might be giving credit to the wrong brokerage house, but they gave a great update on Atlas compared to Transurban. And effectively, Transurban only can sort of capture 33% of CPI increases between 0 and 4%. Yep. And then it goes up to 60% above 4%. They can sort of bring in and increase their toll fees by... Um, Atlas, on the other hand, in their France toll roads, which is the majority of their portfolio, 
basically captures 70% of any CPI figure, zero to right. whatever. So they get the benefits of inflation a lot greater than transurban. So that got us thinking a little bit. And really in this environment, there's not many businesses that can see a direct flow through to earnings from increased inflation. And that was just one that ticked the box. Don't get me wrong, we don't have every client in there, but there was certainly some. Um, at this stage, we're tempted to just sit and hold on it. I don't think you can look at every every acquisition target the same way. Um, I think the quality of the infrastructure assets mm. and demand that's out there at the moment for these types of assets in an uncertain environment is very, very robust. So, if, yeah, we, we'll happily go with the Henry Jennings model. Oh, if so you want to take a little bit off, take we're happy to yeah. hold the whole thing for some people, yeah, but yeah. certainly it's discussions you have yeah. on a case-by-case basis and sure. some clients would happily pocket that quick sort of 15, 20% that they've gained and yeah. and keep the rest of running. In but a market like this. In a market like this, um, there's not much. <laughs> I had some Sydney Airport in my little super fund and, you know, when that comes through, you go, oh, beautiful. Yeah, that you know, really you're, good, yeah. yeah. I really miss Sydney Airports. <laughs> I really miss it. It was a fantastic business. Did you get into Auckland? No, Is no. Auckland as good? No, I think it's too expensive. No, and okay. we, we have Auckland as well, but for a similar... It's an infrastructure, pretty sort of stable infrastructure assets. It's a bit of a recovery path coming through with the international travel and they own the land. But you're you're right, Adam, there's not much good quality infrastructure left. I mean, APA, we discussed a couple of weeks ago. We discussed how that was a potential acquisition target. Infratil's still out there, but it's a bit different, isn't it? It's It's a fund of... Yeah, that's right. And it got lots and lots and lots. People take business over when it's nice and clean. It's it's like Tab Corps, yeah? It's it's now separated itself out to make itself nice and clean. Yeah, that's what... All right, Sabi wants a view on Macquarie Telecom, Adam. The... uh, uh, telecom service provider, but big in data centres too, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, look, this is a great little business. I'm not really little these days. I mean, it's um, um, oh, it's done really, really well. Macquarie Telecom. Um, you know, if if you put this up against uh, a Telstra or or something like that, potentially you go Macquarie Telecom over every every time. I think the one thing that's really saving this one is only like 12 million shares on issue. So it really does um, uh, any time, any kind of movement. So it is quite illiquid and hence why the share price has moved quite high. But, you know, revenue was up 43%. EBITDA was up 23%. Their data centres are moving in the right direction. Um, you know, I, I'm pretty comfortable with this one. Um, I think, I think, yeah, what I, I think it's a hold because of its space, but I really like the business it's done really, really well. There you go. That's the reason yeah. why it's done really well. I think on price, you'd probably be a little bit careful. If any big seller wants to come out, because it is quite illiquid, it will get smashed around a little bit. Right. And I think if you can pick this one up a little bit cheaper, say that $40 mark, $57 mark, something like that, that's where I'd be careful. $40? Yeah, I'd be comfortable at 40 Absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure you would. Yeah. Uh, that's a sort of 40% drop. Yeah. 35% drop. Well, uh, because they... They were when data centres were sexy. They were when Next DC was mm. raging. Yep. They were in it as well. Correct. Because uh, they own Canberra data centres yeah, or something. They're, they're I the think government the big ones. government yeah. ones. So yeah. they're yeah. A, a bit more than just a telephone company. Aren't Absolutely. They? They've got the yeah, they've done really, really well. I just think okay. that price looks a little bit toppy okay. up here. Put a hole. Put a hole. If you're in it. Yeah, Michael. great, great business. But they do trade on a very lofty multiple. Um, <laughs> when it was at, I think, eighty bucks, it was like 130, 140 times. Wow earnings. Um, so that's a lot that people are paying up for, for the potential growth to come through from the data centres. Mm. Um, it's a sort of holistic telco company services, a lot of big business, a lot of government 
yep. stuff as well, incorporating the data, the voice, the mobile, the hosting services all in sort of through one hub. Um, they also provide, I think, um, a lot of data security and cybersecurity services. So I think 40% of government agencies out there. So they've got a good, like a good entry into the government sector. They've got a lot of good contracts in there, which are long term. So that does support their investment into the more sexy new age stuff, such as right. data centers. Yeah. Um, so the business is doing a, a lot right. There's a lot to like about it, but probably on valuation grounds, it's probably a little bit too expensive. And for that reason, it's not a buy. But in this sort of environment, telcos, the, the, the less the less exciting parts of the market are having their moment in the sun and holding up relatively well. And, and right. this is one you could probably feel comfortable holding. Although if you want to go hard and buy it, I'll be tempted to wait a little bit longer okay. just in case valuations continue to come back. All right. Uh, Vaughan, um, Michael wants to be on MMA Offshore. Vaughan says, uh, has this recovery play got juice left in the tank or has it run its course? It's a um, um, almost a, um, not a like a mining services company, is it? But it's yeah. in ships and it sort of services offshore platforms. and That's right. Basically through the whole oil and gas um, cycle, yeah. anything offshore so you, related. You so you see ships. those big, um, like they they almost look like massive tugs in yeah. Frio or Broome or whatever. That's it. But they own that. And they've been signing a lot of good contracts mm. recently. Um, Woodside is one of their big customers. Right. Okay. Um, and obviously because the oil price is doing so well, everyone's getting really excited at the moment. We've obviously got issues with the gas and the east coast of Australia at the moment yep. and supply. So there, there are a lot of near-term factors you would think that are supporting this business. It's just whether or not through the cycle it's going to hold up um, and, and whether any of that excitement that's in the share price at the moment is going to come out of it. But it's hard to say because if inflation does persist and the energy prices continue to rocket higher, the trend's been pretty good for energy prices for a while. Mm. The issues around Ukraine aren't going away anytime soon. Global demand for gas and energy is, is really quite large at the moment. So there probably is a near-term tailwind. And if you are kind of a momentum trader, this is something that you could definitely look at. It's not one that we've ever invested in. We are conscious of the cycles that different mining or services type companies go through. Um, so for that reason, we will tread a little bit carefully with something like this. But definitely the thematic is in its favour at the moment. So I'll, I'll give it a hold just on that right. momentum theme. Yep. Dorsey? Yeah, so really specialist work that these guys do. Mm. Deep sea welding, where you've got scuba gear, you've got all this stuff, and you're, oh. and you're down, down underneath these rigs, you know, welding. It's, it's very, very specialised work. So, so they've got a bit of a moat around their business. Oh, 100%. Be, well, the moat, but then also they have to pay a lot to get these guys into the water because oh, it is okay. quite dangerous work and it's very yeah. specialised. So there's only a certain amount of people who can do this around the world. And so these guys have done very, very well. And you saw from that long-term chart there that um, this one's been underperforming for so long. You know, everybody thought that this thing would do well. So I agree that the oil price is high and those kinds of things, but there's not a lot of greenfield uh, exploration. And so that greenfield exploration is obviously it's, uh, is where they would make a lot of their money as far as they're building new ships or building new tankers or, or doing these kinds of things. So it's a lot to do with care and maintenance and that's what the Woodside contract's about. Right. It's just making sure everything's being maintained. So I agree. I think this is a hold. I think it's, 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 it's looking too lofty here. Most brokers got price targets around this sort of 57 cents, 60 mark. 
unless they can get another good contract, get that momentum going, I think you'd be okay to hold it, but I wouldn't be putting fresh money okay. into this one so here. So fairly valued at the moment. Yeah. Um, Chloe wants a view, Adam, on Metcash. Um, the, um, they own brands like IGA, Foodland, Mitre 10, yep. Home Timber and Hardware. It's sort of the, um, the third of the big supermarkets, isn't it? Yeah, it's always been the third. Yeah. And you've always... Quite specialised. Very specialised, family run and, and in the smaller regional centres and those kinds of things. So it actually looks okay, um, and I really like Metcash because of that Mitre 10 exposure as right. well. So I, I think that's good diversification. But when lettuce is on your show this morning, <laughs> lettuces are costing ten dollars. Yeah, like it's going to really struggle, and it's going to have to continue to pass more costs on to investors. Uh, sorry, not investors, onto uh, customers. customers. Yeah. And obviously the COVID thing is now sort of, uh, you know, that, that was a big sort of boost for them. But then going forward, I think we're going to see a real uh, revaluation in consumer discretionary and consumer staples because of this inflation. So I'll be really cautious here. Um, we, we've been sort of selling a little bit of Woolies and Coles. I was Coles. going to say on all supermarkets, yeah, Coles um, and Woolies Because well. that inflation, okay. and they've been holding on to a lot of those costs. But when you've got 10 bucks a yeah. lettuce... Like, you can't hold on to that cost. That has to be passed on. And um, I even saw the other day that KFC's now is putting cabbage yes. on their uh, on their burgers. <laughs> and if you don't In like a first that, world country. That's right. You expect that in yeah. Russia or somewhere. That's right. Not, so <laughs> everybody, yeah. everybody's trying to change the way they do things to, to keep their costs down. But I just don't think that Metcash has got the balance sheet to maintain those costs going forward. And I think that's what I would say it's a sell from so, but, but it's a sell for all the supermarkets? Yep. Okay. Yep. Michael? Um, I like IGAs. They're, they're great. Like, they're localised. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and, and the there Romeo's, is definitely an appeal about the ones, them. Yeah. Yeah, there's, well, there's good one to have a feel which has all the Italian stuff. So yep. there's a lot to like about it. And people, and people do have... As a customer. <laughs> people do have that brand affiliation for that, that localised stuff. But in reality, they are competing... Um, on a very large market, um, yeah. there's, there's very large sort of competition in Coles, Woolworths, Audis come in as well. Yeah. So there is a lot of competition at the moment, and it is putting pressure on a business such as Metcash who has to compete with these big players. So the fact is, volumes through COVID went up through the roof. They're starting mm-hmm. to taper off a little bit. They're getting a bit of a benefit from the inflation. They can increase prices, but they don't have the scale of the larger players to achieve as much sort of clawback as they can. Yep. Um, obviously, the move into the hardware space is quite good. It's diversified their cash flows, and that's probably one of the, the shining lights of the company going forward. But it is very hard to get too excited at these levels and these circumstances, um, given what's potentially in front of the company. So we've, we'll have a sell on that one as well. Okay. Um, and we don't really hold Coles or Woolworths either, um, because we just think that when prices are going through the roof, there's going to be a lot of competition around pricing and mm. someone like Metcash won't be able to, you know, withstand low prices for as long as some of those bigger names. So, yeah, keep it yeah. as a sell for that reason. So the, the one, one thing to watch in all supermarkets is the bananas price, yeah. right? Because the bananas are the most, is, is the highest moved good in inside supermarkets. Is that right? It's their, I it's did their, not know yeah, that. absolutely. So when you've got bananas at three bucks a kilo at mm. the moment, um, they're usually around a dollar fifty, a uh, dollar twenty, even a dollar for bananas. 
that's when you can see price increase across the whole entire line because mm. that's one of the like bananas and milk are like the yeah. two biggest the highest banana barometer. Yeah, okay. so well, we might put an index, yeah. an Ausbiz. Yeah, yeah, banana, banana index, index. <laughs> to uh, see how inflation's going. So this is where ideas happen. Yes, this absolutely. This is where ideas happen because it is it is nature's perfect fruit that because exactly. it has it's convenient it has great packaging <laughs> on it but you just eat it whip it away and it's good for you it's so right, watch the banana messy. price for further increases and that's where you'll see inflation starting to hit because it's a big competition uh through the supermarkets they yeah it's their biggest mover uh going okay. forward all right anyway. libby our producer guru let's start the banana <laughs> index i'll leave it up to you to get a price per kilo today and well, let's track it <laughs> uh, uh, four ninety nine this morning yeah. says Libby. Obviously, she likes it as well. She, uh, but four ninety nine a kilo. Yeah, see, I saw on the weekend it was three bucks in Coles. So it's yeah, it's right. going, it's going higher from Newtown IGA. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. We've got the banana index and Metcash <laughs> all together. All right, um, Jen wants a view on Playside Studios, Adam. Yeah, um, these are the. Uh, the game, the gaming company, um, they've got to deal with Meta, um, yep. with Facebook to yep. uh, do a lot of stuff with them there. They're based on the Gold Coast, um, have some big games. And as yeah. I say, Gary Glover had it as his stock that could change the world. Uh, change your life. And I was looking at that list the other day and Playside, although it hasn't had a great year this year, down no. about 40%. Yeah. Uh, since we did the series, it's still up um, 30%. Okay, so it's not too bad. Yeah, so obviously uh, the announcement, I think it was yesterday or the day before, that Playside and Meta have extended their uh, work for hire development agreement, so another yep. 16 months, so another year and a bit. But it didn't really move the dial on the share price. And I think yeah. that's the problem with this kind of business is, is that they've got well, these good... Yes, that was a tough day. They've got some good <laughs> contracts. Uh, NVIDIA, I think, is another one. Uh, yeah. Activision, they've got... So, you know, I've got the, the big names, but it's not really moving the share price uh, right. to, to that next level. For me, I'd be, I love the gaming sector. I love that space. My son is absolutely addicted. Um, I, I see that there's value there. But I'm just cautious. Um, these ones will get hit and or have been hit, but then will continue to get hit if those contracts aren't renewed on that yearly right. basis. So short-term contracts, I think there's risk there. So it would be a no from no me. From okay. Michael? Yeah, interesting story. Um, it's just it's the wrong stock for the, the wrong market sort yeah, of thing at the call. moment. That's it's, a great call. It's... Um, one of these companies that has a lot of potential signing all these contracts, but they're going to have to spend a lot of money in development costs, etc. Um, and in this market, if you're not really earning anything now or in the yeah. foreseeable future, it's going to be tough for you. Um, looking back through history as well, whether it was pinball machines or those old-fashioned arcade games or Sega versus Nintendo, there's always this intense competition. Um, and there's always this intense competition that emerges. So you might be out in front, you might be the most advanced technological-wise, your games might be in fashion, but then someone comes in over the top. So it's always quite difficult to sustain that dominant position in the market. Um, and whether it's poker machines as well, you look at sort of Aristocrat and there was Ainsworth. It's just mm -hmm. very challenging space. You've always got to be constantly renewing and redeveloping what you put out there. So high risk, wrong market for this kind of right. business, although they do have some positivity in their news flow. Um, if you want to go down this gaming path, a slightly safer option or a more safe option would be Aristocrat. Right. They've obviously got the poker machines business. And if that doesn't put you off, they've got this big social gaming 
um, aspect now that they're really looking to drive, mm. particularly overseas in the US yeah. with a few acquisitions in recent years. Uh, and that's probably a, a way we would go down this gaming path. It's um, been a pretty good, solid defensive well, stock over the last couple of months, aristocrat. Yeah, it's, look, it's tough because it, it, well, it ran up to about 40, it's back around mid 30s, but it's a very high quality company. Yeah. It's got a very dominant position in the poker machine space, but they're winning an, an immense amount of market share in this online social gaming. So it's not casino related. Um, it's not necessarily for money, and, and that's actually where there's a lot of boom at the moment. Oh, well, they upgraded a couple of weeks yeah, ago up, anyway. it went unnoticed yeah. kind of thing yeah, almost in this market. Yeah. Yeah. But that's one on the pullback that we would invest okay. in. Um, Michael, uh, Matt wants a view on Blackstone Minerals. Uh, Michael says, I've ridden that down. like to know whether to keep holding or sell. It's... Um, um, has a business in Vietnam and uh, in the lithium-ion battery industry. Yeah. So anything with lithium in it has gone up, but recently came down again, didn't it? Yeah. That, was it's it Morgan Stanley that put that report? Goldman yeah, Sachs. The, oh, the uh, Goldman Sachs. Sachs. That's, yes, put the, the cat amongst the pigeons. Uh, yeah, yeah. While, while they kept buying, another part of Goldman Sachs apparently kept buying. Good on them, hey? That's, yeah. exa- that's champagne broken water. <laughs> <laughs> look over here, oh, look over here. Oh. Isn't it? <laughs> um, but it did get people thinking, because often people just end up, when things are doing well, they just see the positives yeah, and they don't like, consider that maybe there will be this big supply response, which we have seen before in lithium. Mm. But anyway, digressing a bit from Blackstone or whatever. Yep, um, Blackstone. Blackstone. Um, it's quite an interesting one. They've got the operation in Vietnam. One of the co-investors, I think, is one of the biggest conglomerates in Vietnam. This particular mine, I'm pretty sure, has been in sort of repair and maintenance mode for five years. Right. And now they're looking at getting the, the necessary funding to get this operation back off the ground. Um, I think the proposal is as well, they'll have a a processing plant on site and that way they can do a bit of value add around that and then yep. for the kicker and a bit of the green washing or green tinge is going to be hydro powered apparently there's right. a bit of hydro in that mm-hmm. area uh, and that will enable them to use the or process all this stuff they extract from the ground mm-hmm. in an environmentally friendly way um, and there's been a bit of back and forth in terms of funding have they got it haven't they got it and that might be weighing on the share price i think it is locked in now yeah um, so that might see, see some momentum come back into the share price. But the problem is it's trading below NPV, so that's a good thing. That's if you sold the assets today. Yep. But the problem is they're going to have to spend a lot of money over the next couple of years bringing this right. back online, which will burn through cash, and that's probably why the market's discounted it to NPV. So if you buy um, now, uh, you'll well, probably be diluted. I think they will say, yeah, and they think they were saying it's, it's still until 2025 until they'll actually get some production going. Yeah. So... For mine, it's just too high risk. Stick with some yep. of the, the more established um, lithium producers if you want to play that. And by 2025, a lot of these well, lithium knows, ex- exactly. explorers will all be online then, won't they? So but who knows what the price will be, be at that with, point. With yeah, it's, price is, is what, 40,000, uh, I was going to say yeah. a tonne, but it's not a tonne, it's something else. But it's yeah, totally elevated at the moment. Yeah. And even today, we're seeing the lithiums get hit, Alchem's getting hit, PLS is being hit. Um, so it, it is sort of washing through uh, what's going on. Uh, we cover this one at Shore & Partners. Uh, we've got a buy on it, a very high risk buy, and I'm not going to tell you the price target because I think it's totally unreasonable where that price target is. So um, 
and, and to Michael's point, that, that, that phase two plant activity is going to take some time. So that, that's really going to be what it is. They do have net cash of $49 million at the moment, but they're going to burn through that pretty quickly. Right. So for me, I think this one, obviously with the ESG-friendly product that they're talking about, as well as the valuation, and they've got an open pit mine with about 8 million tonnes per annum that they can sort of push out. Um, I think this one, I'm going to go a little bit against our research analysts and say it's a hold. Um, there is there is value in this down here, um, and then potentially they can. They've got one of the top tier engineering contractors that have come through um, um, on this one as well. So, like they've actually got some good pedigree in there. It's just getting thrown out with everything else. These battery manufacturers. I think it's an end to end product, but it'd be a hold okay. for me. All right, let's recap the uh, the first five stocks uh, plus stock of the day: Atlas Arteria on the, uh, um, the new major shareholder coming in, potential bid into the future, take profits at these level, but hold on. But if you want to follow Henry Jennings, take a bit of profit when the market's hot, um, then it usually comes down. Uh, Macquarie Telecom, a hold from both Adam and Michael, MMA offshore, a hold from both. Metcash, a sell from both. Um, Adam's basically got to sell on the sector, uh, includes Coles and Woolies as well. Uh, Playside Studios, a no, and Blackstone, uh, a hold from Adam, and a no from Michael. Um, here on the call, we've been tracking our own high conviction um, uh, fantasy fund, uh, which is picked by our investment committee. The latest episode of the committee meeting is live for you to watch at ausbiz.com. Let's check in with the portfolio update. Uh, Wes Farmers, Elders and ResMed were added this month, uh, shifting the original allocations. Uh, so far, the fund down at 3% on the cumulative return basis since the 1st of March. So overall, not okay. doing too bad, yeah. given the tone of the market. Uh, but keep sending your uh, requests in here for the call as well, because this is the first filter. Any stock that goes... Uh, that gets a yes from uh, from both our expert panellists, gets up to the investment committee for their adjudication. Um, if they have a stock already in the portfolio that gets a sell from both the experts, they assess that as well. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information members around the CMC Pro accounts at our website. All right, let's uh, get stuck into the um, second half hour. A US equity strong bear hedge fund. That's interesting. I didn't, uh, have never heard of this one. Uh, and given the market, um, just the name looks attractive, doesn't it? Uh, Flight Centre, we're going to have a look at AUB, Domain and Bike Exchange. Um, now, Ned... Wanting, uh, is wanting some advice on this, Michael. The US Equity Strong Bear Hedge Fund, looking for an ETF to short the market uh, in the US or Australia. Yeah, it's interesting. We have been having discussions with all our clients around putting in protection. Um, right. Again, it's a case-by-case case basis. Some clients are happy to take a very long-term view and ride the cycles, but those that can be a little bit nervy, a little bit jumpy and have achieved some decent results in recent years at looking to protect some of that. 
Um, you can use some of these inverse ETFs um, as a cheap way of protecting your portfolio because yep. a lot of people might have built up capital gains over the last five, 10 years. Um, and to go and sell those to raise cash, can you, know, you can incur a lot of capital gains tax. So one option that you can do pretty easily is buy one of these inverse ETFs to give yourself either a partial hedge on your portfolio or a full hedge on your portfolio. Yeah. Um, there's a few different options. BBUS is a leveraged US uh, inverse ETF, which means that say the S&P 500 drops 1%, this particular ETF will go up 2 2.5%. Right. Um, there's a few other options. The one that we've been suggesting to clients that want to go down this path is the NASDAQ inverse ETF, SNAS. Right. The thought process behind that is that if the markets do come off, the index which is most likely to get hit the hardest is probably the NASDAQ. Yeah. Um, so, look, again, it's a, as, as, look, the principle is you don't really want to short the market because long-term no. markets tend to go up and for a lot longer and a lot higher than markets go down for. Mm-hmm. So if you think you're going to take the long-term view, things should come out in the wash and do okay, even withstanding these big pullbacks. So it's not for everyone, I must you know, repeat right. that. Um, but it is definitely an option that can give people some peace of mind, you know, if they're going off on pe- there. Because people used to have an option strategy and stuff well, that's, like that, that's, which was always quite complicated, well, wasn't it? it? Whereas depends if they're sophisticated the or easy. not. And, and yeah. Adam probably does a lot more options than sort of we do, but it is definitely a similar type thing. Yeah. Um, and with the advent of ETFs, just to become a bit more accessible easy. for people yeah. to do it. And it just gives people, as I said, the peace of mind. If you're going on a European holiday after COVID for, you know, July or whatever, and you want to just sit tight and relax, mm. For some people, it makes sense. Yep. Um, so, look again, it's not for everyone. There's a couple of others. There's the there's the Bear ETF. The code is B E A R. That's the Aussie ASX. That's unleveraged, so it's yep. just a one for one type yep. hedge. And then there's the B Boz, which is the yep. leveraged version yep. of the ASX. Right. Um, and again, you want to give some thought into the makeup of these indices. Obviously, the ASX has <laughs> held up very well, relatively mm. speaking, the last six months. Whereas the U.S. markets have struggled a lot. The Nasdaq's done the worst. So. If you, you want to bang for your buck, you can give, yeah, you can have a couple. If you want bang for your buck, in our view, SNAS is probably our preferred because if the markets do fall, um, we expect that one to fall the most. Okay. One could argue that the NASDAQ's already fallen. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> good point. 28% or 26%. Yeah. So, yeah, potentially that is in a bear territory already. But you, yeah. you're right. Some of those valuations still on the Microsoft and the yeah. Google, and they're still very, very elevated and potentially could, could come down. This one is currency hedged as well, the uh, BBUS. So it it doesn't allow for those currency moves. Potentially that's okay, um, but and 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 the inverse and it is leveraged, like you said, one percent, two percent, one percent down gives you two percent up. But just to give you some calendar performance or year to date performance on this one, um, five years it's down thirty two percent, three years it's down thirty four percent, which means that the U.S. market has been going like mm-hmm. this. So which means that if you were in these products you've been on the wrong side of the trade. Uh, in a year, it's down 9%, but in the last six months, it's up 17%. So right. I think we, I, I like the theory, and absolutely, yeah. I prefer to do the options trades, but um, that's for me. This is something I wouldn't put an 80-year-old grandmother into because of they under, they've got to understand the underlying index futures and the, the leverage that it goes with it. But I think you overall, this is a good way, and I think you've just got to be nimble. Yeah. Because we, obviously interest rates are going higher in the US and here in Australia. Um, the US has been overvalued, I guess you say, overvalued for a while. So I wouldn't be doing this short in the Aussie market at all because of, of what's happening with our commodities. 
the US market is certainly something to be there. I'd buy this at the moment, but I'd be very quick to get out because markets can turn very, very quickly. And then all of a sudden you might wait a week and then all of a sudden all your profits just basically just So not a long-term investment, but if you want short-term protection, uh, basically go into it with a trading mentality. Yeah, have to, have to. safety net. Get out yeah. when things turn. Because say you had a million dollar portfolio, you could fully hedge your portfolio out pretty much for yep. 300k position. Oh no, sorry, because oh. you have to work out your net exposure. Net. So Correct. there is some thought that has to go into it. So yeah. say you had a million dollars invested overall, you say you had 700 million long, 700,000 long, you could hedge yourself out with say 300,000. Right. But you don't have to do a full hedge, you might just no. want to protect yeah. a portion of the downside. Yeah. So. Yeah. And again, you've got to be nimble, you've got to be willing to get out of it because long-term history suggests that you don't want to be short the markets well, as, in Australia or US or As their performances show. Yeah. <laughs> Over five, ten years. Yeah, it's been... Two it's, years, it's but been six negative. months, great. Six months, it's been actually, right. yeah, kicking okay. up, So, uh, Adam Thomas wants a view on Flight Centre. Um, um, the big travel agency seen as a massive opening play. Who did we have the other day, corporate travel, yeah. here as well on um, on the call? Th- what do you think? I think corporate travel is, is and, and, and Flight Centre has been definitely moving into this corporate travel side as well. Yeah. So I think that's the, the right place to look. Corporate travel, I think, is a, is a better business. Um, corporate travel represents about 25 to 30% of Flight Centre's business now. It used to be like 5%. So yeah. they've really seen that way to sort of move and leverage uh, to to the um, the growth but for me, this is a no. Um, and the only reason is, is that when this thing was $40 and then it got down to $5, even yep. yeah, um, yep. through the GFC, um, not GFC, um, through the COVID crisis, yep. they then had to re-raise their whole entire yep. market cap again to stay afloat. So at $20, this is basically a $40 stock and this is probably full value here. So right. for me, I, I'd say no, albeit that corporate travel looks pretty good. I just don't think that um, Flight Centre is the right model for a reopening trade. Yeah. I think it's already done. It's, it's a trap happened. for a lot of investors who think, 100%. oh gee, it's still got 20 bucks to go yeah. up to pre-pandemic levels, yeah. but it's valued at that same level because they issued so many shares to keep going. Yeah, it's yeah. the same as, as Webjet as well. Correct. Oh, um, that the market the same, caps right. are basically the same now as they were pre-COVID, um, oh. yet the share prices are half or yeah. third or whatever it may be. Um, Flight Centre has done a great job in shifting their business and using the turmoil to restructure. They closed a lot of their shop fronts, mm. um, mm-hmm. streamlined their business, made it a bit more efficient. So they had less of those cost overhangs of running those bricks and mortar type operations. They put their attention into corporate travel, which tends to be less fickle um, and can be high margin as well. Yep. Um, so I think that the studies or something, 40% of their revenue is from corporate travel, but it makes up 67% of their earnings. Yep. That's obviously a bit impacted by COVID, but it just shows you how reliant they've now become on corporate travel. Um, but they have seen a decent pickup in numbers. Um, there's been a lot of sort of family and friends visits, which aren't as high margin as holidays. So the first port of call people have been doing is to go and catch up with their aunties or uncles, yeah, sisters, yeah. brothers, yeah. rather than going and spending up package. big and yeah, that's buying a package. So. They haven't seen that part pick up as much just mm. yet, as much as they were hoping. 
Um, I look, I'm pretty neutral on Flight Centre. We do own a little bit of Webjet. We do like that online business model yep. over the, the more legacy type um, structure that Flight Centre has in place. Flight Centre, they do hold a lot of cash on their balance sheet as well, just given the nature of the business. People pay for their travel up front, don't go for three, six months, and they earn a higher interest rate on that. And it can make, um, it can make their price to earnings look a little bit uh, inflated. So that's something to, to consider as well. But look, it's a, it's a good business, stood the test of time. It's managed to increase market share during this weakness, this period of weakness, as a lot of the smaller operators struggled uh, to raise money to, to keep going or to, to keep advertising, whatever it may be. So there's a lot to like about it, but we just think that the dilution factor is a big yeah. thing. Um, mm. We think that if you look at the earnings now, um, or you even look at the pre-COVID earnings to the price, it's still on quite elevated multiples. So. Yeah. We just prefer Webjet slightly, but we are conscious of those dilution factors across all the businesses. Okay. I think I like, like Flight Centre looks 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 okay because when you go and travel now, the amount of paperwork that you need to get through yeah. to the next stage, oh. to get to the next airport, to it's quite to, complicated. Yeah. Traveling so at the moment. having a full service stockbroker or um, a full service <laughs> travel agent, it definitely helps uh, to have that person that sits behind you, makes yeah. sure, and you, someone that you can call and get stuff sorted when you're in the middle of nowhere and something might have gone wrong. So I like that model, but valuation-wise, yeah, I'm I'm with Michael. All right. Uh, Roger Michael wants a view on AUB Group. Um, Roger says it's trading around 52-week lows. Combine this with the recent transformational acquisition of Tizers in the UK, AUB looks compelling and would appreciate the panel's view here also. Not that Roger wants to sway your uh, opinion of it. Um, it's the uh, the big insurance broker uh, roll-up. Interestingly, um, they're managing their chief executive and MD has been recently buying around $18.48 a share. Bit of insider purchasing there. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of AUB? We like the, the general space, um, yeah. AUB Steadfast. Our yeah. preference at the moment is for Steadfast, right. um, just because the multiples were a lot less and their growth rates were a bit more attractive and they tend to be more domestic orientated Steadfast. Yeah. Um, but good businesses, um, the thing is for so long, insurance premiums didn't really go anywhere for about a decade. And in the last couple of years, they've picked up yeah. significantly. I think premiums are up about 7% year on year or, or around that figure, maybe they're expected to be 7% year on year. Um, and these companies, they get paid basically as a upfront fee and then an ongoing commission based on the premiums that they write. Um, so premiums going up is obviously flowing through to earnings. Yep. Um, and it's a very sticky business model. Once you've got a, a client on board, they don't tend to, to leave. And because of the size and the scale of AUB and Steadfast, um, a lot of smaller independent insurance brokers, sort of like an AMP financial planning model, they mm. plug into their network and they get all the back-end services and administration done in-house. Um, Steadfast has done a great job going around buying up a lot of smaller ones domestically um, on very low multiples. You know, you buy an insurance broking business on four or five times earnings, you roll it into your business trading on 10, 15 times earnings, you get that natural uplift. Mm. Um, AUB has obviously gone and done this large acquisition in the UK. Uh, and look, it should be EPS accretive if they pull it off, but it might also have spooked the market a little bit, right. given that they've sort of gone out and, and done that. So our preference would be for Steadfast. We'll have a hold on AUB. Okay. Adam? Yeah. 
everything that time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Steadfast yeah. is the better group. Yeah. Well, okay. well, totally well ex explained. Absolutely. Um, I think AUBs um, they're targeting some margin improvement, yeah. so premiums are going to improve. But that cost out through cost out efficiencies and those kinds of things, exactly what you said. So I don't think I can really let, add okay. much let, more to Let that me ask you a question, though, Thanks, because <laughs> it was at my, Michael Emmett. Uh, it was $100,000 worth of stock at 1848 so it's up a bit on it. It was mm. only last week. Um, does insider buying change your view? This came up the other week or last week on Accent Group, which has been... Absolutely smashed the retailer. Brett Blundy has yeah. been buying into it. Does that sway you at all? Uh, yes, it does, because the directors and the owners of the business can see further ahead than yeah. what they really tell the market. They're getting their monthly board reports. Right, they? so they, 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 they can see six to 12 months ahead. And when you see directors all of a sudden quitting, you, you, that obviously scares you as well right. because they can see what's going to happen or coming down the road. Um, a lot of the time when directors are doing a lot of buying, um, it, it's part of a, not a package, but it's a part of their overall remit that they're going to potentially have to come in and, right. and pick up some of that stock. And to when show they, they're committed. When they come and sit down with us, we ask them, how much stock have you got in the business? Yeah. You know, oh, well, I own 3% or 5%. We go, great, you've got some skin in the game. Director comes in and goes, no, I, I don't own anything. We're right. like, mate, see you later. Like, yeah. don't even talk That's to me any further because why would I invest in a business mm. that they don't have any real, mm. you know? So I like the idea of them buying. I think it's right. I think they know their stock intimately. They can see the register. They can see everything that's going on. Yeah. So I'm really comfortable with that. Um, but, you know, you've got business like AMA, which, you know, the director's been buying all the way down and is still continuing to oh, go right, down. Okay. So I think you've got to be a little bit careful. It's not a it's not a only factor, but it's a positive factor for the right. stock. Yeah, particularly when retailers have been smashed yeah. so much. Absolutely. Good retailers. Yeah. What about you, Michael? Well, I think it's got to be a positive, right? But, yeah. but as Adam says, it's just one of many factors. If it's a business that doesn't look good fundamentally and you don't like the narrative, well, just because a director's buying doesn't mean you go in and buy it. But mm. it can be affirmation, I suppose, that you know they're topping up, why not? Uh, but also, you've got to look at the, the amounts that they're buying, <coughs> how much do they already hold? Is it just to sort of appear like they're doing something or actually are they yeah. delving in their pockets quite deeply? So, yeah, there's different things you've got to consider as well. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering, ah, there we go. Uh, Mark Morland um, and Michael Gable, uh, both... Mark Morland, actually, from Team Invest, because they, they like accent, said Brett Blundy buying in was a trigger for them. Well, he's a, he's a quite intelligent investor, Brett yeah, yeah. Bundy. Yeah, and a good so, reader, and a very a good retailer. retailer. So yeah, yeah you got an accent shot to bits. You got to follow. You know, Solomon Lou starts to make a, a, a play on something. You got to think that there's some. Right. You know, that if he starts upping premium. Yeah. Then well, well, or anything. You know, you yeah. think he knows his business, and so Brett yeah. Blundy also knows that he knows okay. his business. So yeah, you'd follow the guys who actually, you know, know what they're doing as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, Anthony wants a view, Adam, on Domain, the uh, the big property platform, um, sort of a market dominated by uh, realestate.com, REA, which is yeah. own biggest shareholder, News Corp, Domain's biggest shareholder is Nine Entertainment Group. Yep. I yeah, I, it's, it's a straightaway um, 
it's a, it's probably I always say stay with the quality, and REA has definitely been the quality of of all yep. of these businesses. And domain, when we look at the share price, you're going to see the the reason why, why um, potentially you don't want to be in this business because it is just continually to get absolutely smashed, and there's no real respite really at the moment. I think it's also about the Australian media landscape, and I think that that is probably where a lot of people, have, a lot of brokers, have started to downgrade their view on the media sector overall. Um, largely because of that cyclical business as well as the potential underperformance in um, the housing market that is that is going to happen as well. Domain and REA do actually quite well when they um, get a listing. They can upgrade that listing. And so, in other words, it's it's the AI sort of brings it further up yeah. and, you, and, and the real estate agent pays more yeah. for that listing to go up the list and all yeah. that kind of stuff. So I think that that's quite a smart model because obviously every real estate agent wants their, their property being first served up on the first page yeah. versus the 15th page. So I, I think it's a good business, but I just think the macro factors behind this one so it would be a sell from me. Same with REA. So I'm just looking at their chart as yeah, well. It looks six, pretty six, horrible. Uh, very similar, 173 yeah. down to $106 today. I think, I think quality is where this market is always going to stay in these yeah. uncertain times. And you know, you've got very, very big businesses like REA that are, that are very good at what they do because that really is their only business. Um, so I'd stay with the quality. It'd be a hold from me but on REA. REA but a sell on demand. But a sell on okay. demand. It's always been the second cousin. Yep. It's always been. And yeah, it's just okay. not cousin. Uh, I struggle. would agree with that. Our preference is for REA. We've held REA for a long, long yeah. time. Um, it's still doing okay. It's, although it's come back a long, long yeah. way. Um, but this is the sort of company you would have on your watch list that if the markets do form a bit of a bottom and start to pick up again, REA would be high on the list for us anyway of something to look at given how much it's been beaten up. Um, naturally, the negative property cycle is a bit of a struggle for these companies. There's less number, there's, there's less number of listings. There's also you know, less volume going onto the website because less people are out there looking to buy a place. Yeah. So it can be a, a challenge, um, and you'd expect that REA would be able to get through it a bit better than Domain. Yeah. Domain do have um, their sort <clears throat> of markets where they are a bit more dominant, certain locations, but holistically looking at all, overall in Australia... Um, REA has the, the, upper, mm. the upper hand um, and domains mainly in mm. sort of, I think, New South Wales, the East Coast, that sort mm. of thing. So you've got yep. to keep that in mind. Diversification geographically is a good thing for REA. Um, there is a bit of a land grab going on at the moment in that prop tech space. They, they are both buying up these smaller type businesses. Um, domain has done one recently, which is meant to be EPS accretive, but again, time will tell. Um, but it, it is a space I think long term you want to be in. It's just I yeah. think REA is a better business with the track record. We had a good chat with Owen Wilson, the boss of REA, about two or three weeks ago here at Ausbiz. Um, was the two things I took out of it was their India business. Apparently, he was saying is going to end mm. up being so much bigger than Australia. Mm. Really, um, and also. Because uh, they're a tech company as well, they've got to keep doing things. They're coming up with a product that you know how you walk by a house and you think, God, I wish I could buy that house if it came up for sale. And because they've got every house on their database, they're going to have a platform which says, through this platform, you can make an offer for a house that isn't oh, really? even on the market. And I was thinking, because their research shows 
that 30% of households think of selling every year, but, right. but don't do but it. But don't do it. And oh, I yeah. thought, that's really smart. What a great technology. So, so they'd, they'd email that yeah. resident or they'd yeah, yeah. do a well, letter drop or how would they? Um, how they contact s- them or... Yeah, somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they've got all the data. They've right. got all of the buyers. Yeah. For only, and, and every house is turned over. A dollar figure, it's not yes, just, yeah, that's yeah, right. Hey, had yeah. you have you thought of? Um, and they got all the photos from when it was yep. up for sale yep. previously, and you can go. Hey, if you ever think of selling, I'm interested. I have a price range of this or something. Yeah, no, it's really interesting, yeah, it's, isn't it's, it? There's a lot I think they can do. I think REAFC, yes. although there's some of the more older style. Mm. But they've got all the data. They've mm. got all the data and they've got all these investments overseas as well yeah. as replicating the model in different jurisdictions. And if they can get those businesses yeah. to be half as successful in countries with populations of X amount. Billions. Yeah. 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 Well, India is a classic yeah. example. Yeah. They're all moving up the, the value chain, as yeah. it were, or getting yeah. into that, you know, being more wealthy. Uh, so, yeah, and they all use their phones, yep. you know, so there's a lot of internet penetration. So, it's really yeah, it's interesting an, inter- yeah, it is an interesting forward. one, actually. Uh, our final stop will go from uh, real estate <laughs> behemoths to, you know, on your bike before uh, we leave. This is going to be a quick um, one. Jane wants to view Adam <laughs> on Bike Exchange. The online marketplace offers bicycles and accessories, all those. Are you, are you a man of Lycra? Not a mammal, no. Um, they, um, uh, I'm a fair-weathered cycler, uh, oh, okay. if, if anything. But um, This was only a fairly recent listing, it was like last Yeah, fairly, years. and it's been yeah. pretty horrible. They're Brutal. just doing a uh, cap raise or a, a share purchase plan at the moment at $0.02. Cents. The stock's at $0.1.8. Cents. Uh, it's yeah, a little bit like that. But so even at two, um, I just don't think that there's value there for the SPP and for shareholders. Um, they did do a, a, um, an announcement. I'm just thinking of their electronic electronic vehicles, electric, bike, electric bike, bikes, electric yeah. bikes. They did a did a they did a, um, a deal with that, which you know potentially was going to sort of try and help the company to save the company. But looking at that chart, obviously just recently listed at two cents or one point eight cents, it's a no from me. Um, we've ceased coverage at Shore and Partners on this one, um, which tells you a lot that there's not a lot of activity, and I wouldn't be there if um, yeah. you had stock. Uh, and Michael, it's sort of a it's a boom time listing, is it? Stock yeah. where you know it's a bit sexy, it's a bit of fun. People have a lot of money. People Let's riding around it. with COVID and all that yeah, stuff yeah. and yeah. upgrade, like the Peloton yeah. stock that um, went through the, yeah. through the floor yeah. again. But uh, I started to get worried when Peloton replaced Tesla um, in Martin Place, yes. where te- yeah, yeah. Tesla was, you know, it, it went up for lease. I thought, oh, I wonder who's going to do that space. And Peloton comes over with a push bike business. <laughs> yeah. you know? yeah. it's, um, <laughs> it's just hard with like a company like this, it's quite niche. Yeah, um, and there's already like this Gumtree, eBay, whatever all that list yeah. is of different marketplaces, and the average person on the street just isn't really aware that Bike Exchange even exists, even yeah. if you're an avid bike <laughs> rider. So, someone like me, if I was looking to buy a secondhand bike or whatever it was, I'll just go to one of those big names that pop into my head first, and yeah. I think it's a big hurdle for a small company such as this to overcome because they don't have access to a lot of equity; they can't go out and market. Yeah. And, and really build the brand um, very quickly before they run out of cash again. So 
it's a no Not go. For you. Okay. All right. Let's recap the uh, final five stocks. Um, the uh, US um, equities strong bear hedge fund, the ETF. Look, both Adam and Michael say these sorts of funds are good, uh, but for a short period of time, if you want to hedge, short the market down, you think it's got further to go as a protection for the rest of your portfolio, but you've got to have a trading mentality for it. It's not a invest for a long period of time. Uh, SNAAS is um, preferred by Michael. Adam, you're saying there are a few out there as well, yeah. but again, don't marry them, mm. just use them for a short period of time. Uh, Flight Centre, a no from both. Um, AUB, a hold uh, from both Michael and Adam, but both prefer Steadfast. Um, a sell from both on Domain, if you're in that sector, it's a, a hold for REA and Bike Exchange, a no. Uh, Dorsey, great to have you aboard. Absolutely, uh, thank you. Sure. Absolutely. Good to have you guys. And uh, Michael, always great to have you as well. A lot of fun much. today. It was really good. As usual, here on the call. Uh, look, if you've got any stocks that you want us to take a look at, put them in an email, thecall.ausbiz.com.au or tweet us um, at TV Using that handle, you can find out all the stocks in the call's portfolio. Head to ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Go onto the platform to see the latest investment committee meeting as well, which was only put up yesterday. Small caps coming up after this. <laughs>